0: Let's read Psalms 130 together. Yeah, shall we all read it together? Out loud, yeah? Out of the depths I have cried to you, O Lord. Yeah, go ahead. Lord hear my voice let your ears be attentive to the voice of my supplications if you Lord should mark iniquities O Lord who could stand but there is forgiveness with you that you may be feared I wait for the Lord my soul waits and in his word I do hope my soul waits for the Lord more than those who watch for the morning. Yes, more than those who watch for the morning. O oh, Israel, hope in the Lord, for with the Lord there is mercy, and with Him is abundant redemption. And He shall redeem Israel from all his iniquities. Yeah, please be seated. I want something. Thing on here. Over the years, the church has uh, believed to straighten people, to bring people on track, to make them behave, Uh, that, you know, uh, angry preaching would straighten them up. Showing God as angry, out there to judge you, to straighten you out, will bring people on track. But
1: by 2,000 years,
0: sadly the church hasn't figured out that it's not working. Because threatening someone with punishment never works positively in anybody's life at least for the long run Um, nobody's heart turns because we threaten with punishment yeah and it might work when they are small it doesn't really work even when they are small but we think that it might work when they are small threatening with punishment, but after they cross a particular stage, they're like, uh, are you're gonna beat? Okay, beat. Um, so it's not going to work. And God understands this very well. And that's why in this psalm it says, The healthy fear of the Lord, the true fear of the Lord, the genuine fear of the Lord that God wants us to have is a result of a revelation that there is abundance of forgiveness in you. Put that verse, Psalm 130. Come on, read it. There is forgiveness with you that you may be feared. So the fear of the Lord is a result of our understanding how much He has forgiven us. The more and more we understand God forgives us and how freely and abundantly he forgives us, it creates a kind of reverential fear towards him. And you're like, my goodness, he loves me so much, I don't want to hurt him anymore. So that kind of repentant heart is a result of the revelation of Is abundant forgiveness. Technically speaking, the church on the face of the earth is supposed to be the poster boy for this verse, right? We are supposed to be telling the world how easily we can forgive and how freely we can forgive. But if there is one bunch of people who are really struggling in the area of forgiveness, it is the church, folks. Because of the gospel that we have believed over the years... When we believe that God keeps records, God keeps accounts, and God did not forgive us freely, then we can't forgive anyone freely. Okay? Um, So we're going to explore the subject of forgiveness for the next few weeks. Come with me to Matthew 18. Look at somebody and say, don't bring your shutters up already. it starts with unless Jesus telling, unless you become like a child you cannot enter the kingdom of God and then he goes on to say "Um, you know whoever is like the little one is the greatest in the kingdom and then uh, you know hmm. fifth verse whoever receives one little child like this in my name receives me you should understand the culture in which Jesus was living the times in which he was living did not have a very high view of kids and children They were seen as troublemakers and they were seen as people who have to be caned, right? Disciplined. Not disciplined, caned, right? Because disciplined, yeah, the child has to be disciplined, but they have to be punished, was the whole idea. So much so, Solomon says, the father who spares the rod, hates his child. Wow, great revelation. Yeah, he has thousand wives. So, probably he had some 10,000 kids, probably. Mm -hmm. Uh, Or, yeah, if you keep at least 10 kids for each, Mm -hmm. (laughs) who knows? And if you have to discipline 10,000 kids, Let's half it and make it 5,000. <clears> okay, let's half it, make it just each lady, he was able to come together only once in one child. Okay, let's make it 500, okay? Is that okay? <laughs> yeah. So, 500 kids, disciplining, yeah. He has to take a stick and go, and then, okay, what did you do? <laughs> That's his life. And he would have written things like that. And in fact, it says um, folly is attached to the child and the rod will separate it from him, Alright? So this is the framework, this is the idea about how they were treating kids. In such a scenario, Jesus comes and all these kids are attracted to go and run to Jesus and climb on his lap and play with him. Are you understanding how Jesus must have been different from all other grown up men on treating kids? He is like this uncle that every kid loves. The uncle who comes to the wedding, you know, when he comes into the wedding itself he already has this um, thing in his mouth and when he blows it goes like and it comes and he looks at the kid and does that and he's got a couple of chocolates always in his pocket and he gives them and takes them on a swing and makes them dizzy and he also goes like that and that's the kind of the uncle that Jesus was supposed to have been for the kids to come and climb on his lap and sit with him and play with him if your theology right um i had put up a post uh, sometime earlier which you know uh, i'll send it mm. can you display this so it's, uh, I, I had me- mentioned that if your theology, you know, if your view of Jesus is not a humor-filled, fun-loving Jesus, then you need to change your theology. Okay? Look at somebody and say, is your Jesus (laughs) fun-loving? Is he a fun-loving guy? You know, would kids want to hang around? That's why people say always trust dogs and kids. (laughs) Yeah, if dogs and kids go to someone and they're kind, they're like, okay, we can trust this guy. And if kids go like, "Mm -mm," to stay away from this person, that means there's some trouble. So Jesus, kids love to hang around with him because the father loves the children, right? And in fact, he goes on to say, let's read, how did you guys, yeah, see, can you imagine Jesus doing this thing? Yeah? If your view of God doesn't look like a fun-loving, humor-filled Jesus, then it is high time you change your theology. All right? If you want your theology changed, purchase the course called Hyathesia. <laughs> okay? It's a three-day conference where we labor to change your view of God. You know, your view of God should match Jesus. Uh, If it is not matching Jesus, then you are worshipping an idol, which doesn't exist. It might exist in the Bible, but it doesn't exist. The God of Moses is an idol. Hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Jesus distances himself from that and says, ah, no, 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 that's a wrong understanding. You've seen me, you've seen the Father. What is an idol? An image, right? An image. Do not create any image, God says, because you you guys would imagine. So when you're imagining God to be a certain way that is not fitting into the character of Jesus, then you're falsely worshipping a God. Okay, let's get back here. Hmm. Verse 6, whoever causes one of these little ones who believe in me to sin, it would be better for him if a millstone were hung around his neck and he were drowned in the depth of the sea. My goodness, see how Jesus loves the kids. If anyone abuses the kids, he says, man, tie a millstone around his head and drag him to Marina Beach and put him down in the deep. Because child abuse is such a nasty thing because it breaks the child and sets the trajectory of the child for the entire life in a screwed up way. And the child is so small enough not to differentiate that it is your brokenness, your shit, and you're dealing with me. It internalizes your shit and think, oh, something is wrong with me. That's why my parents are beating me. And God says, "Man, don't treat the kids like that." And for Him to say in a cultural context where kids were thought that they deserve all the beating—see how far out Jesus was. Okay. O to the world because of offences. Look at the context. It's about the kids. O to the world because of offenses. Offenses will come, but O to the man by whom the offense comes. If your hand or foot causes you to sin, cut it off. Usually all these verses are taken out of context. If your hand is causing you, then cut it off. Cast it from you. It's better for you to enter into life lame or maimed rather than having two hands or two feet to be cast out into the everlasting. See, Jesus is using strong words. You know, his point is not for you to lose your hand and lose your leg and just come like this to church, right? Without hands and without legs. That's not the point. You know, if everything that causes you to stumble is cut off, what will you left? What will be left of you? Of course, you're eating too much, so tummy has to be gone. Tongue has to be gone and you know, you know, hands obviously are gone already. Eyes first itself it's gone. What do you think will be left? Of course ears, you're hearing unnecessary things chopped off. What do you think will be left? Probably your navel. (laughs) Yeah. And little fluff there. That's all will be left of you if you're chopping things off. The whole point is not chop things off. Jesus is saying, I'm dealing this thing very seriously. I want you guys to take it seriously. Right? Yeah. He says, instead of going into the everlasting fire with the whole body, it's better to enter into life. Look at somebody and say, it's better to enter into life. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Take heed that you do not despise one of these little ones. I want you to see that Jesus hasn't changed the subject. He's still about dealing with kids. Oh, my goodness. And he says, do not despise them. Just because they are small, we despise them. For example, if an adult goes, you know, if Nichu is walking like this, I don't go like, hey, Nichu, I don't do that to her. But if Karis goes, we might do it. Or if that little girl goes, we might like, hey, how are you? We think we can despise them just because they are small. Hmm. And if he is seated here and if an elderly person comes, you know, yeah, it would be nice of him to get up and give his seat to the elderly person, which is really nice. But that he should learn from seeing me do that. He should see me get up and give my seat to an elderly person and he should see that and learn like that. But we don't do that, we just sit and say, hey, get up. Why? Why do we despise the kid because they are a kid? And in the Tamil service, all the kids were like, hallelujah, amen, all right. God, thank you for speaking so powerfully today. <laughs> More Lord, preach it, Pastor. <laughs> Do not despise one of these little ones, for I say to you that in heaven their angels Always see the face of my Father who is in heaven. Oh my goodness. He's saying, Be very careful how you deal with kids. Because there are their angels looking at the face of the Father constantly. And if you deal with them, you're getting into trouble. Okay? See, that's what we're trying to do with Lifehub. I asked Ethan the other day, hey, what's the difference between the other school and Lifehub? He's like, he just thought for a minute and said, in other schools, the staff keeps shouting. Here, they don't shout. Then he thought for a minute and said, they'll shout a little. Here. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so, in other schools, they get shouted at. Every elder shouts at them because they think that, oh, if they're a kid, they need to be shouted at. And here, we try not to shout, right? But they test our patience as well. They're like, mm. So, they test our theology. <clears throat> uh, but we try as much as we can. We give each other feedback. We try our level best. In fact, as parents, we... You know, the first year of life, we read a book called Scream-Free Parenting. Yeah. Can you imagine? You can parent without screaming. It was way far out for us. We can't even imagine. So we had to read and find out, oh, we are screaming, not because they are doing something wrong, but because there is some need within us. And we are screaming because our needs are not met. Oh, yeah, okay. So we are working. We are not perfect. You know, you're working, but culture outside in different schools and here it's very different. So I took my kids to to learn swimming, and there the swimming instructor was shouting at everyone, all the kids. And I looked at every kid. They are like, okay. Our kids are like, they came to and said, he's shouting. Why is he shouting? Only when I saw the other kids not even react a thing, they're like, okay, bring it on. You can come and hit me if you want. And our kids go like, can you go and ask him why he's shouting? (laughs) So I took the scenario back to the staff and I said, hey, this is what happened. Um... You know, I wanted to order you guys to know. But then some staff said, oh, are we spoiling our kids? Are we not preparing them for the world? Are we not preparing them for the real world? I'm like, okay. When we are planting a tree, we don't plant a tree. We plant a sapling. When we are planting a sapling, we do all the safety measures while it is small. We put the fence, we daily visit it, we daily water it, we daily do things, what we don't do things for the tree, we do for the sapling. Why don't we just say, let's remove the fence. Uh, Anyway, it has to face the storms of life. Anyway, it has to face some animals. No, if you do that, you won't have a tree. You won't have anything. So in the formative years, you're supposed to be super protective precisely because we want them to root deep so that they can face the storms of life. And anyway, they are not super protected here because all the kids here are not angels either. And we are all living in apartments. So no kid is super protected They have their own exposure, but the culture is so important. For me, our kids, believing that they deserve respect is more important. What I see more damaging, when I look at those kids, they don't even judge themselves worthy of respect. That is the problem. Are you guys getting what I'm saying? You're like, what's the problem? What's the problem? See, now how you're working? You don't deserve any respect, but you're still working. No matter what they do to you in your job, you're continuing to work. That's a pathetic state to live in. Okay. For more information, contact LifeUp. Okay? Let's, let's get back to the text. So how we deal with the kids are very important. Always see the face of my father who is in heaven. Go to the next verse. For the son of man has come to save that which was lost. Hmm. What do you think? If a man has a hundred sheep and one of them goes astray, does he not leave the ninety-nine and go to the mountains to seek the one that is straying? And if he should find it, assuredly I say to you, he rejoices more over that sheep than over the 99 that did not go astray. Ouch. All the 99 got offended hearing that statement. He rejoices more over that one sheep who got lost than the 99. Okay. Even so, it is not the will of your father who is in heaven that one of these little ones should perish. Okay. Mm. Moreover, okay, now he's switching gears, right? He's, he's tuning up the heat. He was talking about kids and now, the, now he's talking about uh, the adult morons. He says, oh, if your brother sins against you, go and tell him his fault between you and him alone. If he hears you, you have gained your brother. If somebody offends you, go and speak to that person. That is the only step that we don't do. If you're offended with someone, just go to four people and speak about him. Is how we read that verse. If your brother offends you, go and speak to that person. Look at somebody and say, go and speak to that person. (laughs) I won't go and speak. (laughs) But you're going and speaking to him all the time in your mind and to everyone else. So be, go and speak to that person. Okay. But if he will not hear, take with you one or two more, that by the mouth of two or three witnesses, every word may be established within court. Okay. Just remember that. That means Jesus is quoting that phrase from? From the Old Testament. Okay. But if he refuses to hear them, tell it to the church. But he, if he refuses even to hear the church, let him to be to you like a heathen and a tax collector. Many interpreters interpret this verse like, oh, first step, go and tell the, speak to that person. If he doesn't listen, take two or three and go and confront him. If he doesn't listen, go to the church. Call the church and confront him publicly. If he doesn't listen, meaning cut him off right? Throw him out of the church. That's how many interpreters interpret. But in the Gospels, how do you think Jesus treats with this category called tax collectors? Treat him like a tax collector, Jesus says. And disciples are like, okay, we know how to treat tax collectors. And he goes on to say, okay, call all the tax collectors for party tonight, okay? (laughs) Look at somebody and say treat them like tax collector of how Jesus would treat a tax collector. Only the message version has got it right. Okay, every other translation missed the whole point. Put it in the message. You know. If a fellow believer hurts you, go and tell him, work it out between the two of you. If he listens, you've made a friend. And next. If you won't listen to the church, you so come on, read it out loud. You will have to start over from scratch. Confront him with a need for repentance and offer again God's forgiving love. That's what treat him like a tax collector, meaning you don't expect anything what you would expect him from a believer. He's not behaving like a believer. You're telling him it's not going in. You're taking two, three, it's not going in. You take him to church, it's not going in. Okay, what do you do? Okay, treat him like a tax collector, meaning, start from scratch. He doesn't even understand anything about God or about God's forgiving love. Start there. Start with the basics of the gospel. Is that what this verse is saying? Okay. Switch back to New King James and let's move forward. This is verse 17, right? Verse eighteen. Put verse seventeen for you. Okay, treat him like a tax collector. Okay, this is verse seventeen. What is verse eighteen? Assuredly, I say to you, whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven, and whatever you lose on earth will be lost. This has got nothing to do with demons. The whole binding and losing business. Called spiritual warfare. Has got nothing to do with uh, demons. Of course it's to do with the demon sitting next to you. But not that other fake demon. Oh, let's all bind bind the devil together. They have bound the devil so many times. This last Friday in the all-night prayer, they bound. I don't know who set him free. Sunday morning also again, they start binding. And they will have a special all-night prayer called Amma Vasai Prayer. And bind him again. It has got nothing to do with demons. Look at the context. Forgiveness. When you don't forgive, you have bound that person. And you're tying them around, tying them around. When you, when you keep you know, playing the thing that they did or said again and again and again, you're tying the, again, tying the knot again, tying the knot again, tying the knot again, tying the knot again. With whom? With your neck. You keep tying them. And when you have four or five people whom you have not forgiven, can you imagine? You're trying to walk. You're heavy, you're hating your life, you can't eat, you can't sleep. Why? You are bound. Yeah. You are bound. By the mouth of two witnesses, everything shall be established. You are bound. Whatever you lose on earth, Honestly, this has got nothing to do with demons. Why? See, if you bind on earth, you'll be bound in heaven. That means demon is in heaven, right? If you lose him on earth, then he'll be lost in heaven. That means so many demons are... There is no logic to the whole thing. But nobody questions it. Why? The emoji said. So let's keep playing the binding and losing. And who has been bound in the whole scenario? Huh? Hush. Okay. Let's go on. Again, I say to you, look at somebody and say, again. So that means Jesus hasn't changed topic. Jesus hasn't changed the subject. Again, I say to you, if two of you agree on earth concerning anything that they ask, it will be done for them by my Father in heaven. He hasn't shifted his subject to prayer. No, no. What do, you, what do you want me to agree, brother? BMW car? Okay. I agree for this brother that God will give him a BMW. If two of you agree together, the Father in heaven will answer. Nah. Look at, you won't believe, right? Let's continue. Just read. Look at some say, just keep reading the Bible. Yeah, just keep reading, okay? Don't stop somewhere, don't pick up verse, don't build a theology, just keep reading. For where two or three are gathered together in my name, I am there in the midst of them. So this is a quotation, right? From where? From Deuteronomy, chapter 17, verse 6. Deuteronomy 17, 6. Come on, read it. This is funny. Whoever is deserving of death shall be put to death on the testimony of two or three witnesses. He shall not be put to death on the testimony of one witness. So in the Old Testament, if you are offended, it's very good. All you need is three people with you. My goodness, how I wish. I was in the Old Testament. I would have finished most of you. All I need is three friends who would agree with me. And two, three I bring and I tell, do you guys agree with me of this guy doesn't deserve to live? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, let's finish him off. If two or three agree, you can put a guy to death. Jesus is quoting that law and says if two or three agree, you can set a person free to life. You can set that person free to life. The power for you to put him to death, if it it has so much power, if two or three, and he says, when you're coming to set somebody free, I am in your midst. If two or three are gathered in my name, you know, this has got nothing to do with the worship leader and, you know, just like you guys, right? 10.30, nobody shows up. Only one guy will be sitting and the worship leader, where two or three are gathered with the keyboardist. Thank you, Lord, for you are here. Let's start the service. No, that's not what this verse is about. The verse is about Whenever you guys are gathering together, there is this presence of Jesus. You know, the problem is when you're offended with someone and you don't talk to that person and you go to the other person and you're like, you know what that person did? And then you go to the other person. Why do you keep talking? Because you want all those people to agree with you about your judgment on that person. Yes? You want everyone to agree with you on your judgment of that person. And Jesus says, if two or three are gathered, I want you guys to know that I'm there. And I'm looking at all of your heart. I'm looking at all of your heart. Now let's pause here. Let's get back to Matthew. But let's pause and go back to Psalms 130, what we read, and read verse 3 and 4. Come on, read it out loud. Everyone, come on. If you, Lord, should mark iniquities, O Lord, who could stand? If you take the calculator out, if you take the bookkeeping out, then none of us would stand. And the next verse says, There is forgiveness with you that you might be feared. Now let's get back to Matthew. I am there in the midst of them. Okay. Then Peter came to him and said, Lord, how often shall, I, shall my brother sin against me and I forgive him? Up to seven times. See, this is the proof that Jesus hasn't changed the subject. He didn't switch into prayer. If he had switched into prayer and how to manifest things from the spirit into the physical on your cars and bikes and how you have to agree and I'm teaching you on faith and this and that, Peter should have asked about faith or prayer or confession. He comes and says, then Peter asked him, okay, you are saying all these things about forgiveness. How many, how many times Jesus has asked him to forgive in that scenario? Go on. No, no, no. In that scenario, Jesus says, if somebody offends you, go and Speak to him. That's one. He doesn't listen. Take two. That is the second step. Then? Church. Then? Start over like a tax collector. Four. Four steps Jesus is given. So Peter comes and says, okay Jesus, I'm going to give it to you. I'm willing to forgive him seven times. Are you happy? Jesus goes like, seven times? You want me to take the calculator? Huh? Peter? You want me to take the calculator? It's not seven times. It is 70 times seven. That doesn't mean keep counting for 490 times. Throw the calculator out of the window is what Jesus is telling. And then he goes on to say, yeah, therefore the kingdom of heaven is like a certain king who wanted to settle accounts with his servants. Yeah? There is the king, there is the servant who owed him a lot of money, so two crores. First time when we were believing God for two crores for the building, the first phase, I told my kids, we're going to believe God for two crores. We need two crores to build the building. And Shalom goes like, two crores? Two crores. <laughs> you need two crores to build the building? <laughs> Yeah, it's somewhat like two crows. (laughs) No, it's a crow. This is a crore. Oh, okay. (laughs) And just like the two crows who came and fed Elijah, or two crows came and God has been faithful. Yeah, good. And, um, you know, two crows this guy was debted to the king. And king called him and said, "Hey, what man? You're not giving, you're not paying up your payments. I'm going to kill you and finish you off, man. Put you in jail." And he falls on the feet, cries, "I'm an IT employee. I don't have any money, man. All everything is going in here. My, you know, I can't pay you anything." And he goes like, "Oh really? Oh that company? Oh you can't pay man. And then he goes like, "Okay, I set you free." I set you free, wiped out, free, two crores, free man, no, you don't need to pay a dime, go, free, he didn't even give him time to pay, he just said, wiped off, go, free, so this guy goes out and sees a guy and goes and catches him by the throat, says, where is my 20 rupees man? Where is my 20 rupees? And that guy falls and says, I'm an IT employee, I cannot. He says, I don't care which employee you are. 20 rupees for two months you have not given. And he takes him and puts him in the prison for 20 rupees. He bound him. Are you guys getting what I'm saying? Then some fellows go and tell the king, hey, this guy whom you forgave did this to this guy. The king calls him again. Hey, author, come here, man. Come. come. Come here. I heard that you went out and found a guy who owed you 20 rupees. What did you do? Huh? And then it says, I forgave you all the debt because you begged me. Hmm. Should you not also have had compassion on your fellow servant just as I had pity on you? And his master was angry and delivered him to the torturers until he should pay all that was due to him. Hmm. So my heavenly father will also do to you, each of you, from if you don't forgive your brother from your heart. What these two verses means, I explained yesterday in the conference. So if you didn't come for the conference, I'm not going to explain it to you today. Why? Because I don't want to. you have to purchase the course to listen to what these two verses means but you're not forgiving yeah you can you can watch it in the course it basically says uh. <laughs> <laughs> it basically says if you're going to torture someone in your mind, you will be tortured. It is your vision of God that is stuck somewhere. And when you see like God is not freely forgiving you, God is not abundantly pardoning you, God is not, you know, graciously being gracious to you, then you are not that to the other person as well. How do I know? You can preach all you want to preach. Whatever doctrine you want to preach. Grace, trinity, da 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 da. But when it comes to forgiveness, I will know whether you have understood the gospel or not. Because that's where the rubber meets the road. Oh my goodness. How much we struggle. Let's go on. Tortures. Torturing. Tortured. Unforgiveness is torture. Torturous. That's what, you know, somebody said unforgiveness is like drinking poison and expecting the other person to die. You're like. "Ah." That person went to America. And you're still stuck. Do you know the word Ephesus, the word forgiveness in Greek, do you know what is the real meaning? Guess what is the real meaning? It is the word for divorce. Man, divorce them. Many of you are married to too many folks. not happy with anyone. (laughs) Too many things are tied around your neck. You need to divorce them. Set them free. Like, hey, I set you free. Set myself free from you. Look at somebody and say, I set myself free from you. It has got nothing, see, there are, okay, you guys are all stuck you're not able to come with me because you're confusing forgiveness and reconciliation. Forgiveness and reconciliation are two different things. Has God forgiven everyone? Has he forgiven uh, Hindu and Muslim and the atheist and the drunk and the drug and the preacher and the pastor? He's forgiven all those guys. Why did you put the last two in the category? Yeah. Yeah. Get a push everything in the category, all pain managing mechanisms, right? He's using drugs, he's using cocaine, this guy is using stage. God forgives them all. And has everyone repented? No. Has everyone reconciled to him? No. But has the Father forgiven? Yes. So for you to forgive someone, nobody needs to repent. Nobody needs to do anything because it is you setting yourself free from them. Reconciliation is them coming back for your hug. That is a different thing. The Bible says God has forgiven and he has given us the ministry of reconciliation and we go to the world and say, be therefore reconciled to God. Reconciliation does involve their free will. Reconciliation does involve their repentance. Reconciliation involves whether they are going to turn around or not. But forgiveness is totally for your benefit. There is this another quote, I don't know who that is, they said, forgiveness is you setting the prisoner free, knowing that you are that prisoner. What is forgiveness? You setting the Prisoner free, knowing that you are that prisoner. Okay, let's go. Now it came to pass. You know, he does all these things. We don't have time. Then he goes. Mm, uh, so, so we are done with chapter 18, right? So let's go to Mark 11. Mark Levin. See? We have taken things out of context, always taken things out of context, and built doctrines and teachings, and missing the main point of why Jesus said that thing. Matthew 18, two or three agreeing, binding, losing. These are all huge doctrines, huge practices in the Christendom. But it, it is nowhere connected to what Jesus was driving there. So is Mark 11, huge chapter. But we missed the main point. I want you to see that. So, uh, now the next day, verse 12, when he'd come out of Bethany, he was hungry, he saw a fig tree, he cursed the fig tree. No one shall eat of you, right? He says that. And in verse 20, Now in the morning as they passed by, they saw the fig tree dried up from the roots. And Peter remembering and said to him, Rabbi, look, the fig tree which you cursed has withered away. And Jesus said, have faith in God. For assuredly I say to you, whoever says to this mountain, be removed and be cast into the sea and does not doubt in his heart but believes that those things he says will be done, he will have whatever he says. Therefore I say to you, whatever things you ask when you pray, believe that you receive them and you'll have them. There you go. Jesus taught on faith. How to manifest your BMW, how to manifest your 3BHK, how to manifest your two cross. (laughs) Jesus taught you, if you don't have doubt in your heart, if you believe, if you open your mouth, and if you confess, you say, you believe that you receive and then you'll have it. Ah, oh, okay. Verse 25. And, do you know what and means? It's a conjunction. Kut wrote it. That means the previous statement and the next statement is connected. So he's teaching on faith and then goes on to say and whenever you stand praying, if you have anything against uh. Oh, he's not talking about the BMW. He's not talking about 3BHK. If you have anything against anyone. Oh, fantastic. If you have anything against anyone. Look at somebody and say, I am part of the anyone. (laughs) Yeah. If you have anything against anyone, divorce that person. Set them free. Cut yourself clean. That your father in heaven may also forgive you your trespasses. Okay, go ahead. But if you do not forgive, neither will your father in heaven forgive your trespasses. Hmm. See, see, I want you to see something. Come with me, dear, to Luke. You guys don't believe faith and forgiveness is connected? I'll show you. Mm. Where does it say? Come to Luke 17. Same subject, right? Parallel passage. If offences, 17.1. Jesus said to the disciples, it is impossible that no offences should come, but owe to him through whom it would be better for him. Da, 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 you know? Verse 3, take heed to yourself if your brother sins against you rebuke him, if he repents forgive him, and if he sins against you seven times in a day and seven times in a day returns to you saying I repent you shall forgive him. (laughs) Somebody does something wrong to you. And the first time you go and say and they say I'm really sorry. And two minutes later he goes and does the same thing. And he comes and says, I truly repent. I'm like, okay, I forgive you. Third time, after one hour, does the same thing. And he comes to you and says, I repent. I understand your repentance. At least spare your repentance. He says, seven times in a day. He does the same thing again and again. And he comes to you and says, I repent, I repent, I repent. You keep Forgiving him. Okay? Next verse. Get ready for the next verse. And the apostle said to the Lord, Increase our faith. <laughs> apostles say, <"Mudile." laughs> Jesus. Increase our faith. And we have made it a faith teaching. It takes faith to forgive. It takes faith to forgive. Why? There is no guarantee that you won't repeat. It takes faith to forgive. When when, when they were walking on water, when they were raising the dead, apostles did not say, increase our faith. Oh, we can do that. Jesus said, raise the dead. They are like, okay, good, we can do that. Forgive your brother seven times a day. (laughs) Increase our faith. Next verse. Go to the next verse. So the Lord said, if you have faith as a mustard seed, you can say to this mulberry tree, be pulled up by the roots and be planted in the sea and it would obey you. He is still talking about forgiveness. Because bitterness are rooted like mulberry trees. marangal. It is rooted in your hearts. And it takes faith for you to uproot it and put it into the See why? What does Psalm 103 says? He puts our sins where? Into the depths of the sea. So it it takes faith for you to uproot this tree of unforgiveness, with all its root. Painful experience. And to cast it into the sea. For that, you need faith. To put it into the sea, you need faith. And it would obey you. That's the good news. Look at some say the tree will be uprooted. Yeah, yeah, look at some say the tree, tree will be uprooted. What you need to tell God? Increase my faith. So, how do you do this thing? Okay. Coming to the nuts and bolts of things. How do you really forgive? How do you really forgive? First of all, you should differentiate between forgiveness and healing. And forgiveness is the first step of healing. Because, for example, if you're you know, near me and you swing your hand and it hits my face... And you're going to go, sorry, 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 sorry. And I say, forgive you. My pain is not going to disappear. Yes, I did forgive you. Yes, I'm not angry with you. I'm not trying to kill you or hit you back. But pain doesn't disappear just because you are sorry and just because I said I forgive you because the impact is like that. Peace be unto you. Okay? Talking about um, um, the whole discipline issue about kids, not beating them is one side of the coin. That doesn't mean you have to say yes to everything that they say. I forgot to tell that point at that juncture. So, again, Holy Spirit is speaking to you guys. Right, um, you don't say yes to everything. That is not loving the kid. You say no to them, but without screaming and beating them. Yeah. How do you learn that? Contact life up. Okay, that's a different. <laughs> uh, pain doesn't disappear just because somebody asks sorry. So, but you need to heal. But you, if you have to heal, first you need to forgive. Forgiveness is the first step towards healing. Because when you're not willing to forgive, forgiveness has got nothing to do with the other person. You're not doing anything for that person. Is, are you getting what I'm saying? It, it has got nothing to do with the other person. It's totally for your well-being. It's totally for your well-being that you would be free and you would begin to heal. You would begin to heal. So how do you do that? How do you do that is, you know, you connect with God in the way you best connect with Him and then bring that person in front of you in your mind. And when you bring that person in front of you in your mind, a certain kind of energy starts coming up. Why are you guys looking at me as if you don't understand? You don't understand the energy? It's this energy. that comes up. Don't try to push it. Don't try to bury it. Blast it. Release it on them when they're in your mind, okay? Don't take my words out of context. Oh, thank you, Jesudin. That's exactly what I was waiting for. I wanted to blast them. (laughs) So, no, I'm talking about here. Why? Because this is, as far as God is concerned, this is more real than the physical. He said, if you look at a lady with a lustful eye, you have committed adultery. And he says, if you are angry with a person, you have committed murder. So put it in the reverse, okay? You bring that person and you tell them what you feel like telling them. You're angry, you shout at them, you shout at them. You know, release. Let your heart tell what it has to tell. Don't be Christianese at that time, okay? Don't try to act cool in, you know, the presence of God. I'm in the presence of God, so... Anyway, you're in the presence of God and he knows what you're thinking. <laughs> so you better open your mouth and tell it. That, that's how David is like, Lord, take their kids and bang it on the wall. That's exactly, you also want to pray. But you're like, Lord, bless them. And God is like, <laughs> If you want to kill them, tell, I feel like killing you. I feel like killing you. That's exactly Some of you have to start with being real with God and how angry you are with God. A really interesting testimony I heard in Malaysia last week when we went there. There was this pastor's son who came. Unfortunately, in Malaysia, there is this two-class system, right? When British gave independence, they told the locals, you have to give citizenship to the Chinese and the Indians as well. But the Malaysians said, uh, okay, now we can't. No, you have to. So back and forth, they said, okay, we'll give them citizenship, but we'll not give them full privileges. So there is a two tier system there. Even though Indians are there, are, they are having Malaysian passport they don't have equal privileges like Malaysians do. So, because of that reason, even though our people study well, they can't enter into universities. Here caste system, like that, their race, yeah? So, this guy, who is a Tamil guy, studied super well and, you know, really got good uh, marks and way about what he is supposed to get to enter into the university that he wanted to but he couldn't and they give you 12 options he got the 11th option right and he was so frustrated and he goes there and he just moves around and finds the other guy who haven't even got half the mark that he got got the colleges that he wanted and he is so mad at God he so angry with God He's a pastor's kid, and he said, he told his dad and mom, he said, I'm not coming to church, I can't be part of the worship team, I'm not going to do anything with God, I'm not going to read Bible, I'm not going to listen to any sermon, I'm not going to listen to any worship song, I'm done with God. For four years, he was like that, nothing to do with God, but since they are parents of pastors, they said, hey, why didn't you just attend the church? So he would come, sit in the last row, and then leave. This is how he was going. And he stopped listening to any sermon or worship or anything for that matter. One day he was driving his car listening to some secular song. Halfway through the song, the YouTube switches automatically to my message, it seems. And he says, no, I have not listened to your message. It was not in recommendation or anything. You know, I've stopped listening to any of these stuff for the four years. And I was just driving. uh, Some song was going, he said, I forgot. And it Halfway through, it switches into my message. And it doesn't play from the beginning, my message. Okay? It didn't, it seems, miraculously. It played at 15th minute. And the first statement in that sermon that he heard when it opened up was, it's okay to be angry with God. And he parks the car to the side and cries. Sits there crying. Man. I'm so angry with God for four years. There is this guy preaching and says, it's okay to be angry with God. Then I teach him on how to be angry with God in that sermon. (laughs) Right? How to process that anger with God. Go. Be real with God. Tell him. Tell him whatever you want to tell him. But stay there. Stay in the presence. He would speak to you. He starts listening and then he starts listening to the foundation series and he's and his dad comes to me and says my son is always hooked up to your sermon now. And this guy comes and shares this testimony, gives me an offering and says, thank you. I am healing. I'm beginning to heal. Alright? <laughs> Look at somebody and say, if you're angry with God, tell him yeah man, he can handle our shit speak to him but stay but stay he will speak to you he will put a word in your heart the same thing right you're bringing that person in the presence and you want to say whatever you want to say you say and then you tell father I want to set myself free from this person I want to set myself free from this scenario I want to set myself free from this incident. Show me what you want to show me. Tell me what, you, what I want to hear so that I can set myself free. And you do this some hundred times depending on what fell on your head. <laughs> right? Somebody's hand, okay, you do it once a boulder fell on your head, it takes time to heal. And it... And it's... And, and, you know, you do this, you do this. Every time you do this, the sting of pain, if you really do it, right? If you really engage your emotions. And it is very tiring to engage your emotions. Don't do this as a formula. I to you free. No, 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 no. The energy has to come. You have to engage with the energy that you're having. And then release it and... Listen to the Father. As you do this thing, after one solid prayer session, you'll be like, "Ah." then you go to God and say, increase my faith. And you do it one more time. And as you do it, you're like, oh, I'm having a scar, but I'm not having the pain. It's not a wound anymore. It's a scar. Wound, nobody can touch it. Scar, you can invite people and say, Thomas, touch. Put your hand and see. Colossians 3:13. Yeah. Read. Yeah, everyone. Come on. Bearing with? Mm. Mm. Yeah. Even as Christ forgave you. The problem is we don't understand how Christ was forgiven. When you make the cross, which is a fountain of free forgiveness and you made it into a legal arrangement of god punish jesus so that he can forgive us the whole gospel is gone to waste because you can't freely forgive anyone because even god did not freely forgive you without beating jesus that's your idea so that has to be challenged romans 324 Romans 3:24 Ah read it out loud every word clear Being justified Yeah slap somebody and say justified freely Yeah 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 justified freely How did God forgive you Freely he forgive without any payment If there is payment there is no forgiveness If Jesus paid for our sins, then there is no forgiveness. People can't pay. You want people to pay through repentance. Pay. Do you know the word repentance is a very bad word? It's a wrong word. Metanoia is a Greek word. They've wrongly translated it into repentance. Repentance is, the, the root word is Latin, where Catholics use that, penance. You know Catholics do penance? What is penance? Hmm? Pay. Pay for your sin, okay? I've done this sin, okay, what should I do? Oh, okay. God doesn't want you to pay for your sins. When you repeatedly do that, it's called repentance, Repentance. That is not what the Bible is talking about. Bible doesn't talk about repentance. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. When you want to forgive, you're like, okay, show me in your life that you have you're doing repeating the penance. No. Freely forgiven. Jesus took the thing upon himself. He took the loss upon himself. Metanoia, the Greek word means seeing the way God sees something. Having the same idea about something. So you bring that person's sin and you ask God, how am I supposed to see the sin the way you are looking at this sin? That is repentance. You look at something the same way God sees. Catholics do you know, repentance in some way. Pentecostals are worst. Oh my goodness. At least those guys say just kneel down, repeat this prayer for ten times. Pentecostals are <laughs> malicious. They'll finish your life off. Look at somebody and say, stay away from Christian religion. Thankfully, Jesus is not a Christian. (laughs) You have to keep reminding, Jesus is not a Christian. Uh, Where did I come? What guy is this guy? Has he lost his mind? <laughs> yes, exactly. You have to lose your mind. It's all so uptight. Need some oil and crank it up and lose it a bit. <laughs> Being justified? Freely. Back in those days in our church, communion, when communion comes, we tell. If you have anything that you have not Forgiven against your brother, please don't take part in the communion. What's the solution? Duh. Communion is the place where you think about God's forgiveness so that you can freely forgive someone. But they did not use communion to remind people about free forgiveness, they used communion to remind them of their sin. What all you did this week? What all you did this month? Oh, once in a month communion, already lot many things. So when you use communion as a place of reminder of sin, of course you can't forgive people, you have to say, don't take part in communion. But if you really understand communion, my goodness, Jesus had communion with Judas, with Peter, with Thomas. And in fact, he says, I was looking forward to have this meal with you because tonight you'll all go run away. Is something wrong with you, Jesus? If I had been Jesus, if all those guys are going to run away, I'm going to shoot. Anyway, I'm going to die alone. You guys die now. <laughs> you ungrateful fellows. Or I would have added some poison in the community and say, I was waiting for me to have this meal with you. But Jesus had come in and said, take, receive, drink this blood. This is the blood of the new covenant shed for the forgiveness of your sins. And he tells Peter, you're going to go and deny me thrice. But before that, drink this and go. I want you to know that you're forgiven. Jesus. Do you know the seven words on the cross people preach on every Good Friday? What is the word? Father? Forgive them? For they? No, no, that's the only word that comes in present continuous tense. Meaning Jesus kept repeating that phrase again and again and again and again. Probably he started saying that at the whipping post itself. Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. Forgiven freely, forgiven freely, justified freely. But doesn't mean, you know, just because Jesus forgave it didn't pain for him. You're like, ha <laughs> ha. No, my goodness, he was tortured. He's going through immense pain. Forgiving. Increase our faith. Okay, now serve the communion. Yeah. Serve the communion. I want you guys to come to the communion thinking about how much you are forgiven. Yeah? Anybody in here who's been forgiven two crows? Some of you are forgiven two donkeys. Not just two crows. To elephants let's read that verse Psalms 130 verse 3 and 4 hmm Lord nobody there in the desk come on read Psalms 130 verse 3 and 4 Hmm. if you if you mark count count that's the word if you count our iniquities who could stand But there is forgiveness with you that you may be feared. Come on, say that. There is forgiveness with you that you may be feared. Let's all stand. E uh-huh. much left so yeah who receives it um see it is called sacraments do you know these are called sacraments sacraments meaning It is a reminder of the presence of Jesus in our midst. Jesus is present with us in this flesh and blood. That's why I love about Catholics, their view of communion is they really believe that this is a flesh and blood. The real presence of Jesus. three are gathered I'm there he is very much there so I want you to close your eyes and say daddy show me how much I'm forgiven so much show me how much I'm forgiven I want you I want to know enjoy experience the full blast of your forgiveness of your unfailing love of your relentless passionate love yeah hundred times I've failed you thousand times I've failed you you've always come back to me like the shepherd relentless shepherd who said until I find my sheep I will follow hmm. you always followed me to all the all the crap that I got myself into you never left, left me in the wilderness to my ways. You pursued me. You followed me. You took me. And you didn't punish me. You put me on your shoulder. And you got me back home. And celebrated. What did you celebrate about Failed you miserably. But you took me home and celebrated me. Threw a party on my name. You have forgiven me so much. You have forgiven me so much. You have forgiven me so much. You forgive me freely. You justified me freely. You justified me freely. Yeah, 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 yeah. I want you to feel the energy of God's forgiveness. telling in the conference. If there are two subjects that God failed, it is mathematics and history. Because he doesn't know to keep count of your sin. And he says, I remember your sins no more. And he doesn't remember your history as well. He remembers your original identity.